Happy belated Upton Bell Day, everyone. Uh, a couple of days ago, 919 is marked in honor of Upton's celebrated record as the Patriots general manager. How did everybody celebrate if you, you know, if you celebrate the holiday? I, I do observe privately, um, but um when I when I did speak to people, I you know brought up that my father's um, you know, his his unit citation um from from Vietnam was actually um conferred upon upon him by by both uh, General Westmoreland and Richard Nixon. <laughs> I spent the day shitting on the guy who's got my old job. Oh, and then also I, I rooted, um, you know, I was rooting for my team to lose so I could fire the coach. Anyone rub one out to black and white pictures of Angela Lansbury? Does, uh, does uh, Carol Lombard count? Uh, yes, that's up to approve. Uh, Dan, how about you? I waited for all my contemporaries to die, then claimed their accomplishments as my own. Yeah, what did you do, Ironhead? Me? I uh, had my rug cleaned, and then I forgot uh, to send you guys contracts, so you're all free agents. And all this negativity that's in this town sucks. And I've been around, and, and, and when Jim Rice was booed, I've been around with Yosemite booed, and it stinks. It makes the greatest town, greatest city in the world lousy. This is Entitled Town. Welcome back to Community Auditions. Uh, my name is Mike Irons. Scartelli is here with Mike on Route 1. And uh, Dan, uh, gentlemen, um, Put this in for the the podcast, the National Podcast Awards for Best Individual Segment. Unfortunately, we can't say the same for the Patriots on Sunday night. Let's take a, look, a quick look back. Uh, the Dolphins go into Foxborough, Mike, and they win twenty one. Uh, excuse me, twenty four to seventeen. Um, tough to win games when you continue to step on your dick. You have three points after uh, three quarters. Uh, a frustrating loss. They weren't able to, to get it done again. Uh, all right, two games, new regime. I think there's equal parts, equal reasons to be frustrated and still optimistic. What say you? Yeah, I think, um, you know, we talked moral victory week one and I thought it was that um, I don't take any moral victory from this one because, um, you know, it, it, if it wasn't a got to have it situation, it was pretty, pretty close. Um, but that said, do I, you know, unless they're 0 and 4, I'm not tapping. Um, but I, I still feel like the arrow is is pointed up. Um, on the offensive side of the ball, you know, what are they five out of seven in the red area? Um, that's, you know, that's like, uh, you know, it's, they got to get there more, <laughs> hopefully. Mm -hmm. uh, and even if the efficiency reduces, it's a, it's a, it's a win. Um, you know, that's, but that's, you know, top four in the league as opposed to being last in the league in that metric um, against two really good defenses. Um, so I don't know. Why don't we just call this the, the, uh, how healthy are they going to be podcast? Cause I think that's what it's going to come down to, but it doesn't seem to me like this is a, a sinking ship. It didn't look like that. Uh, I thought, you know, they held up pretty well. And um, you know, they, they, the, the, the slow starts on offense are, are fucking frustrating yeah. for sure. And, but defensively too, I just like to see, and I, I know this has been a thing that they've done and it was a thing they could do uh, with a bit more, um, uh, less kind of risk when they had a super high powered offense. Uh, and that was, you know, letting these teams kind of march early in the game and then you know, they'll figure it out. And they do, they usually do. 
but you know you can't do that like let's how about how, how about not doing that how about, how about not doing the kind of like feeling it out kind of thing and and, and starting out strong now, that's a good point uh to, to your point mike the patriots held um the despicable tyree kill in check he had eight yards of reception five catches for 40 yards um dan you and i in real time were texting back and forth during the game i thought miami actually came out with a great game plan to your point mike they were really exploiting the edges. They were running outside, and they reversed track late in the game, and the Patriots were spread out. Obviously, the Dolphins have really terrific talent in the outsides, and they started gashing the Patriots up the middle. I thought it was a really, really well-executed game plan by the Dolphins. But to Mike's point, you know, do, is there an, an adjustment in how they, how they should defend in that way? Probably not. It's I think the the problems come down to back to one thing it's the offensive line well sure with that let's but let's talk about that uh that offense it really was a great game plan i mean they were attacking the margins uh stretching them out uh that that play where they would do the um the motion guy uh, across fake handoff and then they'd, they'd hit the the quick pass off the fake handoff and they would they would hit for like five six seven yards every time they ran that play and then just like you said, they would they they switched it up and hit the middle and got uh, most of it with that big break. Um, but yeah, the the line is is holding them hostage right now. I don't I don't know how I'm stunned at how people are still looking at Mac as the problem. Uh, when you when you see he's just got he's got guys right up in his chin strap on on some of these plays and he's still completing it. Like the fourth and four, people are complaining complaining that well, how can how come Mac didn't uh, throw that? Why do you sh- throw that short of the sticks? Well, did you see the guy in his face? He still completed the pass. Yeah. Um, yeah, you can't take a sack there. You can't do what Geno Smith tried to give away the game for the Seahawks in Detroit and take a sack there at all. Right. I was encouraged by, it's, it's, with the players afterwards, the guy that I was encouraged by was hearing Andrews speak. Because Andrews said the same sort of stuff we do, which is that you can't, we've got to execute at some point we can't just keep the mm-hmm. come coming back and trying to you know the the margins being as close as they are that we've got to start executing uh there's it's, it's the same sort of thing we're saying no silver linings you, you gotta finally come through with this so it is a bottom line business scartelli you were grinding tape today the day we're recording oh, yes, uh, I what's was. your what's your impressions uh tape grinder 2.0 of what's your impressions of of how the, what's going on with this team and how you're feeling yep there's uh just a whole the, the chairs are in a perfectly straight line you know there's no uh no moral victory here they need to play the their second half game <laughs> in, the, in the first half and score some points because i think like the red Sox, they play better when they're ahead and i think that it was it was a good plan the they didn't get beat by Waddle and Hill. They got beat by old friend Braxton Berrios, kept picking up two important first downs, and some guy named Van Ginkle. I, 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 how do you, you you don't plan for a Van Ginkle? I don't think. But the, again, and uh, just to just to go to my uh, special teams touch uh, touch uh, touchstone here, that uh, the schooler play was, was was just a beautiful thing to see, and the fact that. Uh, Yes, I think they weren't really able to convert on that, notwithstanding. It's uh, it it puts the uh, puts the idea in the back of the uh, other team's special teams units' heads. And it's so, been pointed out it'll probably be outlawed at some point before the month is over. 
<laughs> before the yeah. week is over. Right. Can I mention one mention one thing? <clears throat> Speaking of uh, to what Dan said about um, you know people thinking Mac is the problem, uh, and I, I mentioned this to you guys. Does does Mac Jones have a uh, competing uh, salt and paprika company that um, is, is cutting into uh, distribution for uh, for for Matt Chatham's uh, company? Because that fucking guy will make excuses, and I and I think it's not making excuses, but he will you know, be a little bit more clear headed about people, but you know, he fucking like, it's like, Oh, this, this is a terrible throw. This is a t-. like, and it's, it seems like bizarrely personal for him because this guy was fucking like, you know, he was on the Nikhil Harry train uh, longer than Peebs was for Christ's sake. Uh, <laughs> Ch- Chatham used to try to tell us that Josh Freeman was good at football. It was a good quarterback. And I, I just, and, and he's nitpicking these. Okay. Yeah. He should have maybe thrown that to Gasicki on the fourth on the on fourth down. Okay, he should have released it a half second earlier. Okay, fine. But you know, look at look what was happening there. Like it's just uh, it's, it's bizarre. It's really bizarre. And um, you know, good luck to Matt though in all his future endeavors. It could be paprika narcosis from mixing your own rub in a uh, poorly <laughs> ventilated basement, or it could <laughs> like, be that he's hatter. you know like, uh, Matt is a hatter. Yes, mm-hmm. exactly. Or that he's you know. Still, team Matt Patricia for some reason. That's yeah, that would that's what I think. Yeah. Well, I think you can, you can draw a straight line between the, those two things. But to your point, Mike, uh, we are we are on an island that has increasingly less inhabitants. Where are you with which, which your Mac confidence level? I really don't want this to become a weekly weekly segment. But where are you at with Mac? I mean, the fact just, is they're it, not putting the ball in the end zone at the end of the game when they need to. They they they. they Stressful situations. It's hard to make plays then, but where are you? Um, well, I don't I I don't think that um I don't think he did anything in that game to uh change my opinion because he was under fire constantly, made some really tough throws um on the move into tight spots, like it, to the point where I was like the margin of error was just too small at times, but he kept making the plays. Um so, I mean, when they get rat fucked on a fourth down, like an absolutely unbelievably fucking horrible call. Um, but you know, consistent oh, okay. because they, that, they picked up Mac, a bunch Mac of first downs. Right. Yeah, that's a whole other thing. What, but one thing I, I just thought it looked to me like a professional operation with, with Parker out there. And last year, you know, a lot of the stuff he was making was on 50-50 balls. And you look, it was it was good, but last in some in cuts too but last week i just thought he looked like a guy on the perimeter who was just could post up and win win physically without blazing speed and i was like it's okay good that's, to have that's, that that's, guy. What they, that's what they need you know that's 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 a, a difference maker so i don't know i just i don't i don't read into anything um i just think it was it's kind of circumstantial i don't think that um that because they didn't come through in you know a couple of situations two weeks in a row at the end of the game, I don't think it's some kind of character deficit there. So I, I, I don't know. Agreed. And I, I think it's kind of bullshit, Dan, that every game is a referendum solely on Mac. And I get it, it generates clicks. It gets listeners for at least one of the sports, uh, one of the two sports radio stations in Boston. Um, the Patriots go into the Meadowlands on Sunday. They're playing the Jets. Uh, the Jets have a terrific defense. Um, Mac is facing uh, Zach Wilson. He's 4-0 against him, uh, the inverse of what Mac is against uh, Tua Tagovailoa. Um, is Sunday's game in the Meadowlands, Dan, just a, a match a matchup of which quarterback steps on their dick less? 
No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't. We, we've we've already established we don't think that's going to be Mac. I, I do want to go back to one thing with Mac on, on that on the interception. That's so illustrative of what we argue about with pro football focus and what what are you actually seeing i'm thinking about what was he actually seeing at the at the moment that he released that ball at that point in time parker had already uh grabbed a bunch where he um won the one-on-ones uh and when the ball got there he's standing out of bounds but from a the layman's perspective well why do you throw that ball but no, it's, yeah it's a very good point it's a very but, good point but back Don't to get me started on PFF. Go ahead. Uh, I'm not going to be here to d- defend Wilson, but um, it's still, you know, you're in New York. That is a tough D. They, uh, they've improved themselves in other areas. They've got some some strong players at at uh, the skill positions. It's it's it, not a it's not a throwaway. Agreed. Just because Wilson's there. Yeah, division games are always. I mean, mem- breaking news: division games are tough. Um, Scartelli, there is a path. If we can take a short look ahead, they're 0 2 right now. I'm not going to do the, the is this a must win game bullshit with you, but I think there is a path, a reasonable path for the Patriots to get the three and three. The next four games are at, at the Jets, then they go to Dallas to face a good Cowboys team, then they're at home against New Orleans, and then they, um, they go to Germany to play the Raiders. Um, three and three after six, I think we'd sign up for that right now. Would you? Oh, I'd I'd, uh, I'd sign up for that right now. I'd be a I'd be a big fan of seeing that happen. Um, you know, there's the fact that uh, all the uh, everything points for a Patriots win on Sunday has me worried. The fact that oh, they, well, we they you know, haven't lost to them, and you know they've only won against them. It's 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 troublesome that uh, I don't think that this is a team that's going to think that they can just do. You know, roll their helmets in there and win the game to borrow a phrase, but, uh, and it could be a weather game as well. There's, uh, could be, you know, some remnants of a tropical storm rolling into, uh, North Jersey at that time. So we, we will see what happens, but if it, uh, there are worse things than being Owen two. And one of them, I guess is being Owen three, but if they managed to, they could, they could go, uh, they could be three and three uh, by beating, you know, Dallas, New Orleans, and, uh, the Raiders. So I'll take what I can get. Dan, one of the things, Dan's one of the things you pointed out um, was uh, how efficient they were targeting everybody except for Bourne and those low percentage things. And and that was even a thing at times last year when he was actually on the field too. those kind of low percentage shots with him. Um, The, the kind of the fade routes and like, it's just, ah, it's just like, it's not, it doesn't work. Please go away from that. Would it work with a different player? Well, let's let's put it this way. Would it work with a different Patriot, first of all, if you had, I don't know, Douglas going after that? And to Phil Perry's point, would it work if you had DeAndre Hopkins? They have DeAndre Hopkins. His name is yeah. Devontae Parker. Yeah, that's what yeah, that's that's exactly that's what I think. Yeah. Um, I think the thing I think too is that I sound like Peter King that I think that I think I think um <laughs> is is that the you know he just likes that that guy and I, I do think you know I, I don't know I, I don't know why but the thing that, that Lazar is pointing out and I'm not a big fan but he keeps complaining about the lack of play action 
Um, and I just think it's a function of being in the gun so much. And I think if if they were under center, he'd be getting swallowed by a rush and couldn't see the yeah, you rush. Can't be, you can't he be under less. center turning your back to the rush. Like, what does he fucking want? Like, come on, man. Like, Jesus Christ. Yeah. So if they straighten it out up front, then you make, start mixing in play action, then, you know, then you can take some shots with that, I think. And it makes them tougher to defend infinitely. Yeah. Of course. Um, I don't want to dwell on this too much, Dan, but the, the Mario Douglas fumble, everyone could see that coming. And I believe it was in the second quarter. I, I, I guess I shouldn't be surprised at this point at the media's reaction. And it's it really is just, it, it's trolling for attention. But a rookie fumbles, he's going to the bench. It's kind of, it is what it is at this point. Zeke Elliott fumbling week one is not the same as Demario Douglas fumbling week two. It's it's their new Malcolm Butler should have played in the Super Bowl. You know, this guy, if he were in there, we would have won and we would have made these plays or that play. All right. Yeah. So no, it's he's Belichick's consistent with that. All right. So let's let's just do a, a quick look back. Uh the Cam Newton Patriots seven and nine cap reset year. Um, Max rookie year, they went 10 and seven. Last year was a fucking mess, and they're a couple of plays away from from repeating a 10 and seven record. Dan, we're year four post Brady. There were cries in the media for Belichick to be fired, performative cries in the media. To Belichick to be fired after starting 0-2 against two pretty good football teams. What is what's fair for us to expect moving forward, you know, in year four after Brady? What's let's put aside the honk and the bobo stuff. What's realistic for us? What should mean, we expect? Far, I mean, how far are they going to compete? How how far uh do we do we think a playoff spot is is expected? You know, year four post Brady. Should they have a, a uh, should they be in the playoffs? I think that's a fair, that's a fair um, ex- expectation. Um, if we're going to go back and look at the things they did, I mean, wrong. We can all admit that Patricia was a mistake. I do kind of wonder if they even then were, knew that they were a year away from Bill O'Brien because o- O'Brien yeah. wanted to commit to his contract in uh, in Alabama. Um, so. Yeah, or if we could, if we wanted to point out anything else, I, I would I would point to the fact that they've had two years in a row where they're struggling with the offensive line. That, that excellent points, Scarcy. Tell me if you if you buy this admittedly kind of weak, flimsy thrown together argument that I have. The ninety three to ninety six Patriots, Parcells comes in in ninety three. Uh, they finish five and eleven, winning four straight at the end. Second year that with Bledsoe, they're in the playoffs. They go ten and six. They lose in the wild card round to Cleveland. There's a lot of expectations and hype for the ninety five team, and they fall flat in their face. They finish six and ten, and they're able to draft. Uh, was the McGinnis was drafted in ninety four. They get a high draft pick in ninety six. Bruski comes in, uh, legendary ninety six draft, and they fit. They start zero and two in 96 and they finished strong they get better as the year goes on the offense comes together everything clicks they were able to hide Bledsoe behind a really really good football team good defense um you can make arguments that they probably they were had every right to be in that game and win the Super Bowl despite Denver I'm not saying that the 23 Patriots are going to the Super Bowl I think as Dan said playoff berth is certainly should be in play um, do you see any parallels? Is, is, do you start to see it coming together at all, Pepper? Can you project that going forward? Um, well, 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 no more after Sunday. But uh, in predicting uh, the Super Bowl, that's that's what the local scribes are doing. They're letting you know that you know no team except for you know this 
Only three teams have made it to the Super Bowl after starting the year 0-2. I wasn't planning. I, I wasn't saving my, you know, bottle caps for uh for Super Bowl tickets. It's, it's a, I think it's unrealistic right now to be, you know, thinking that, oh no, are, are they're not going to make the Super Bowl this year? The playoffs, I'd be, that, I think that's a realistic goal, but, uh, but the Super Bowl, you know, we've, we've seen, we've seen weird things happen, both, uh, both, uh, with the Patriots and to the Patriots about things like that. So, but like I say, we'll, we'll, we'll know more. Well, no more when they've played, you know, another uh, 60 minutes of football. The Super Bowl is a straw man argument. I think, uh, you know, I don't want to use the ML car championship driven line at the same time either. But I think that improvement and a, a playoff push is uh, fair. Well, I think, I think, look, like you said, 2020, I mean, forget about it. And then the reset in 21 with a rookie, a rookie quarterback. I just... People think it's easy to win in that league, and justifiably so. Well, not justifiably so. Based on what they saw for 20 years, that's why they think it's easy to win. And it's really fucking hard. And they turn turn the aircraft carrier around uh, without bottoming, bottoming out. And I still think they're going to be a competitive team this year. So it's, re- it's really fucking difficult to do. And, and they are, uh, whether or not it happens this year, uh, it's going to be, you know, it's going to be fucking exhausting and a long offseason. But they're in a position to have a, a, you know, an insane amount of cap room next year. Um, look, I think maybe some of the the, the choices in free agency um, in um, in in twenty twenty one didn't work out. But I think on balance, they ha- they've got some good players that are still here. Uh, you know, Judon Henry, um, absolute. You know, uh, I think home run acquisitions and and Bourne even now, thankfully. Um, is still still a really really helpful piece. So you know they flamed out on a couple, but um, that's that's the cost of doing business, I think. So I, I think I think they're they're going to be okay. And I think you know I just I know that maybe the idiot owner um, it doesn't have a lot of patience because the clock is ticking. But I think if if we can get through this year and and have it you know be still pointing in the right direction at the end, I think uh, then they're going to be poised. I think to be kind of a wagon. Mike, I didn't even have this on the paper, but Dan, I, I think Mike makes a, a good point regarding Kraft. Is he going to get the yappa yappa going if they they start zero and three? Is I mean, there's going to be blood in the water. The media can already taste a little bit of blood in the water, as we discussed a little bit earlier with the cries for Belichick to be fired on ninety-eight five, the sports clan. But do you worry about Kraft? That's my biggest worry with this team is is uh, Kraft's impatience. Yeah, you know, he he sucked he's sucked into every every storyline that's out there. And he's and he's a lot he's there's much like Ray Flynn who we'll discuss a little bit later. Never saw a microphone he didn't like. I think that uh, I think that uh, they can keep Kraft busy by, you know, having Meek Mill or whoever ring the uh, lighthouse bell <laughs> for the remaining uh six games there this season. So they I think I think they can keep him distracted with shiny objects, literally and figuratively. Scarzi, <laughs> in the vein of that, will you please rank these bells? Lighthouse Bell, Bob Lobel, Upton Bell. <laughs> oh, you've got to go. I, you know, <laughs> why why can't we get noisemakers like that? <laughs> I, shout out to uh, our buddy Transient Existence uh, for I'm stealing blatantly stealing that tweet. Of his that I, that I thoroughly enjoyed. Li- he thinks the lighthouse bell is lame to begin with. I beg to differ. 
Um, man, uh, the Jets on Sunday, you know, again, I don't want to use hyperbole and say that the season is on the line, but holy shit, it, I will, it'll be a funereal th- feel to next week's podcast if they start 0 3. Dear God. So, uh, from our, from our mouths to God's ears, uh, help, please. I can't even imagine losing to the Jets. Never mind that streak ending. All right, fuck it. It's time for everybody's favorite segment. Let's do it. All right, winning time finale came and went. Mike on Route 1. Uh, it's showing that you and I love to hate. Winning time is over. It's Vince Carter throat slash. It's over. How do you feel? Are you are you sad because it's gone, or happy because it existed? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I'm, I'm a, yeah, I, I'm I'm happy because it because ex- it existed for a, a brief shining time. Um, and I, you, you what a you moment! Like, you said you like the finale. I didn't uh, hate it. There's a big difference. Okay, okay. The Adam McKay difference. <laughs> so I thought I thought the basketball in the finals was. Uh, as the only time throughout the series where the basketball I felt was compellingly tense uh, and, and matched the, the moment, I think. And I thought they did a good job with it. And everything was actually fairly um, well choreographed. Like They all got of, like, everything right. Yeah, everything Henderson, right. That was a little bit lazy. Those Worthy's pass was a little bit lazy. Not that quite lazy as that, <laughs> that Worthy's pass was to Henderson. Always um, a good idea but, to throw a cross court pass when you're trying to. Yeah, run that the was clock. It, that was like, uh, <laughs> like like Hans Molman and the Simpsons like throwing a football. <laughs> like I'm conflating two different things here, but it's what it reminded. It was an old man throwing throwing a ball, uh, but. I actually thought that was pretty good. Uh, well, well done, because it it was hewed closely to what it what it looked like. Um, I thought that Mikhail and Bird in in Game Four was just the worst um, the worst thing ever. And like Bird, basically, like it was something like Bill Simmons wrote, like where Bird brainwashed Mikhail to to do it. Um, I thought that in that I didn't like the 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 bird uh, you know the bird fade away bird goes into the pivot um, that shot it was it didn't look like that didn't look right that was the one thing they they messed up on and of course this is a, this is something that's I, I think interesting is um, you know we played like a bunch of women is what bird actually said that's that's what they said but somewhere along the line someone and I, I assume it was in print uh, you know bracketed that and put sissies in 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 the bracket. So now that has become um, what what Larry actually said, but I, I thought it was I thought it was not terrible. I thought the ending was totally hack. I think I think uh, great song choice, uh, Shadows of the Night, Pat Benatar, yes, fantastic yes. needle yeah. drop at the end. But I mean the <laughs> the montage end is just like oh this is what happened every that just that sucks. So yeah. Do you know who ML Carr and Gerald Henderson actually take credit for Kevin McHale clotheslining Rambus right, in the third right. quarter of that game? During the yep. 137-104 blowout in game four, or excuse me, game three, um, Carr was sitting on the bench next to McHale just saying, we have to knock these motherfuckers down. Someone has to play. There there must be, bl- must be blood. And McHale's on record as after uh, he fouled Rambis, he, he's pretty clear he was trying to hold him up, even though Rambis bounced, which was great to see in real time. The 11-year-old me was really, really happy. But McHale was shell-shocked after that. He didn't have a particularly good series up to that point. He missed two free throws that would have tied game two that necessitated the Henderson steal 
to send the game back to uh, the series back to LA one, uh, one rather than being down. Oh, two. I thought the basketball scenes again, as I mentioned in the last podcast, they choreographed them very, very well. Uh, the bird, uh, the jumper that won game four bird uh, magic took bird on a switch, backed him in, hit the fadeaway. Um, the Henderson steel was good. They choreographed the, uh, the Rambus close lining pretty well, but to Scarty's point, the over-the-top McKay stuff, having Bust and Bill Sharman sit in the back row of the with the gallery guards in the garden. And the, <laughs> again, as we discussed, the running out of the gym after winning game one and going into the bus in their uniforms and having, you know, having the crowd out there ready to to ride against them in the game's, you know, been over 90 seconds. Um, Stephen Eady on the uh, Bill Simmons podcast kind of went over this on it but the the over the top mckay stuff the banners sweating i mean just absolutely horrible scotty um, you you vowed to watch this dan would you have watched the final if you hadn't canceled hbo in protest over the existence of winning time well sure because it had a happy ending right <laughs> i mean the fact <laughs> that it ended it? right there how good is it that, it that winning time ends mike with the 83, 84 Celtics winning the title and Reds holding up the trophy. It, it, it's beautiful. Oh, yeah, they fucked that up too. Whatever, <laughs> no, whatever happened to the Los Angeles dynasty. They, I forget what they changed it to, but that it wasn't right. But um, yeah, that I, I would, you know, it, I wish it ended that way. <laughs> no kidding. Okay, here, here you go. Here you go. Would you trade? Would you trade? No, oh, here we go. Or would you? I love these. Would you trade? No 86 title for not having lost in 85 and 87. Oh, of course I would. Give back 86 against the Rockets yep. in, the, in the perfect season with Bill Walton to kick in their dicks in 85 and 87. No, 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 no. They, they don't, they, they don't, that's it. The Lakers and Celtics are done for the 80s. Would you trade 86 for not having lost twice to the Lakers? It's the greatest team of all time, man. Um, but honestly, probably yeah. I, I don't think so. I don't think so. It's no, I don't. It's think a, so. it's a, it's a really, really compelling argument for it. The fact that Magic and Riles never got one over, and Kareem never got one over on Red and Bird, man. That I mean, sucks. who wins the eighty? Who wins the uh, eighty-six title? Then the the late the Lakers win that one, or they the, no, the Rockets no. win that one? That's it. No, what's no, this alternate Rockets. universe? The Bucks. Yes. The box. There you go. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm, 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 I'm glad that show's over. I'm, I, I didn't, I didn't have enough. I, it was, it wasn't even a hate watch anymore. Really, it wasn't. It was a you chore. Didn't respond right? to my tweet, Mike. I was because I was asking if you uh, were one of the people that signed the petition to keep it going. Oh, I didn't see that. <laughs> I, <laughs> yeah, uh, it, it would have been, it, it would have been close. And I, actually, I'm, I'm, I see people say, "Oh, is it going to get picked up?" I just can't imagine, given the cost, maybe it's whatever but how much of that is in the can already though none no 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 none none um well oh you mean as far as infrastructure maybe yeah maybe there is there's some infrastructure in place but it's all virtually shot like all the basketball stuff essentially um last week i would have told you that someone was going to pick it up i would have probably plus 100 even money now i think it's an underdog to get picked up probably two to one two and a half to one i don't know this is the the only thing i would say i think sorry Go ahead. Uh, I thought it would. I think. I think. I do think that's something that would be perform really well on Netflix. Like the first, like they do the Cobra Kai, 
ran the first couple seasons again and it blew off to like something completely um different but the cost is i just think the cost is prohibitive even for for netflix but i could see that doing really well um on netflix like much better just because it's just such a a place with more buzz would it be better would it be a better production if it wasn't adam mccade yeah i i I think i said i remember we talked about it last year i said if if aaron sorkin had written it as opposed to he did yes you know he's he's not you know he's he's not mckay is is not even really the showrunner it's just kind of heavily his his influence um so we can't really put it all on him but it is obviously his his dna i think it's a better show if they if they played it straight for sure yeah Probably shouldn't make this reference to Kobe after you referencing DNA, but is it a better show with the Shaq Kobe Phil Lakers as opposed to the magic that, that 40 years removed? Yeah, I think so because I think. Because I then, hope- then there's a story. They couldn't decide what they wanted in this. Is it about yeah. bus? Is it about magic? Long, is it about it's Riley? Too long too. You know, yeah. it's really your, your, your denouement is, is AIDS. Um, and that's, you know, <laughs> 12 years or whatever. Um, so I think, I do think Kobe as a main character, um, or as, as a, a kind of a two-hander with Shaq is, a, and then Phil too, I, I think is a more compelling, um, leader lead than, than magic would be because I think there's more, um, outward nuance. I think Ma- magic was darker and they didn't really even get there in a lot of ways. Um, he was very, almost Mary Sueish, um, almost, but I, I think Kobe as a lead is a much, um, darker thing. But do they have the balls to go there? And I would say probably not, given how most people view him, don't view him like um like maybe we we do. You know, one of the one of the worst leaders of all time, really, too. Not Absolutely. to mention a terrible person. Yeah. Absolutely. I did think it was interesting, and I, I heard this on the Simmons podcast. Jeannie Buss came out after season one and was very upbeat and actually praised uh the winning time thing when the the rest of the Lakers almost to a man were panning it. And what comes out in the season two? Jeannie Buss's husband is cast as one of the agents it looks in great. season two. Jay Moore looks great. <laughs> <laughs> did you guys, Dan and Scars, did you see him? What he looks like? No. <laughs> yeah, I, I've seen him. He, looked, he, he probably should have played Red Arback. <laughs> yeah, that was brutal. Anyway. Dan, if 20 years from now, would you be interested at all in a, a winning time type show on the Belichick, Brady, Kraft, Patriots? Oh you God! Could... Who would you trust to do anything fitting? It's twenty years from now, but who the hell knows? Yeah, that's too. Probably some kid is doing TikTok videos now. I I don't, I don't think it's it could. I, it's, it's not interesting. If the eighties Lakers aren't interesting enough, I don't think the the Patriots are interesting enough. Um, and I think there's probably a glut of material. There's just too much has been done already yeah. with the the Wickersham books and the thirty yeah. for thirties. Like yeah, there's there's nothing there that would interest me. Um, you yeah. know, I, I would I would take I would take another. Um, I would pay lots of money for another uh, um, football life, Belichick football life. I would pay lots of money for that. Yeah, I, I think one will be forthcoming. Any more? No one in NFL history, NFL annals, anyway, has an appreciation for history quite like Bill Belichick. Just that, that level of access was just unprecedented too, and I think. That for me, along Patriot Reign and and um, a football life, are the two one time where I think we really got unvarnished to some to some degree. 
you know, just the way Bill thinks about things, like a lot of like the Welker stuff, like are we gonna sit Welker, he's gonna get hurt. Um, you know, we can't do anything that we can't run the ball. Like, you know, they sit down on 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 Wes and, and take away Randy over the top more fucked, you know, that kind of thing. That's mm-hmm. what I really appreciated about all that. I know he never but, wants to do hard knocks, but it would be fascinating. Yeah. The Patriots yeah. hard knocks would be really, really good. That right. would be that would be and must see viewing. Do it. Yeah, do Wouldn't it. Do you like, find that fascinating, Craig? I do. <laughs> I do. I really, like really do, Craig. <laughs> right, I want to get to emails quickly before we. I send it to Dan for this week's oh, man, final that's, thought. We haven't had emails uh, in a while. That's great. Uh, the first one is from Tim in Junction City, Oregon. So uh, the Great Northwest. He just wanted to, uh, Mr. Irons. It has come to my attention. You recently visited the Bleacher Bar in the Fenway neighborhood of Boston. You've never sounded more out of touch with your homeland than saying you didn't know there was a bleacher bar. I also thought as an avid listener, a concerned citizen, it's also a noted Bill's backer of Fenway Bar. Hope this information helps from future Entitled Town podcast. Warmest regards. Um, and then the there's a couple other emails, but uh, <laughs> Vinny, I actually meant to, to, to kind of move this in with the original question, but it's circling back to Miami. I think Vinny makes a decent point here. The vibe he gets when reading about the team is that there's still some sense things will get better. So uh, row of chairs, Vinny, join right in. It's his annoyance at the perpetually me- mediocre Miami snuffing out New England once again, or when he opens Twitter, um, pans, fans are pining for the weapons of a 9-8 and team. He doesn't have a read in this Patriots team. They can't win from behind. They make too many mistakes. By the way, a stat I stole from the uh, Lombardi's GM shuffle. They've run 90 plays on offense so far this season. 15 of them have been negative plays. That's 21%. Hard to win games when that's happening. Um, that's the line. Yeah, that's <laughs> it's it's quite a stat. Um, but anyway, Vinny's, again, row of chairs. He's in with us. So entitledtown at gmail.com is the email address. Um, Mike on Route 1 is at In This Town 1. Scartelli is the purveyor of the sports trunk draw. He is at Pat Scartell. Dan has our final thought this week. Uh, Dan, uh, you're up. Uh, this will be a parting shot at Upton Bell because I don't know if you guys know this, but he finally blocked me on Twitter one day after we talked to, to about him on the pod. Ted Nation uh, round of applause for getting blocked by Uppy. You know, by the way, that maybe that's just coincidence, but it has me wondering if he's one of the dozen people that actually listen to us. Good point. My, I think it's closer to 15, but... <laughs> Anyway, Definitely. in the spirit of uh, the Upton Bell Day piece that Scarcy put out a couple of days ago, I wanted to add this this to his list of accomplishments. And uh, I wanted to flesh out, first of all, the legendary forgot to mail out the option letters story. Uh, beyond the fact that this bonehead move happened on his watch, what makes the story even more classic Upton is that he, A, threw everybody else under the bus, B, he lied about it, and C, he tried to make himself the hero of the story. So the way the way the story goes is this uh, regarding the option letter. Back in the early 70s, every NFL team had to mail out an option letter to players they intended to keep the following season. It was a standard practice, and failing to do so allows the players to become free agents without compensation. Right, Dan? That's right. And so a week after the league meetings, barely a month on the job, Upton uh, got a call from Phil Olson's agent thanking him for allowing Olson to become a free agent. He never got his option letter, and it wasn't just him. The Patriots neglected to send out option letters to any of their players who are now all free agents if they, like Olsen's agent, realized it. A plan quickly formed. They would send out new contracts with slight raises to all the players they intended to keep. 
the players they reasoned would be happy with the raises uh not and they wouldn't realize that they were free to sign with anybody so the plan worked now upton's version goes like this just before the, he left for the league meetings he said i instructed my staff to send out option letters <laughs> In uh, later accounts, he blamed secretaries for forgetting to mail them out, and he blamed Billy Sullivan for drawing up bad contracts in the first place. Uh, I got some information from Jerry Thornton's uh, From Darkness in the Dynasty book. He had some good information on this. So according to that, they did send out the options to – they did send out something to the players, but it was was a letter just introducing them to Upton and saying, oh, here's the new guy. We're looking forward to win. You know, not the The man under the wig. Yeah. Here's how Upton described that letter. The quote, the letter sent to Olson was not in the context of an option letter. What he got was a letter picking up his option, but it was not picking up his option technically because it was the wrong letter. Unquote. He also took credit for the decision to send out the new contracts with the raises from his account. If we send them an option now, I said, thinking aloud, it will call it to their attention. Why don't we just send them all new contracts? According to Thornton's book, that was actually Bucko Kilroy's idea. And when Sports Illustrated did a story on the Pats that October, uh, Bell lied about the incident altogether, saying that there was an overlooked technicality on Olson's contract. And finally, Thornton had this. Kilroy claimed the first thing that he said to Upton on his first day on the job was, did you pick up all the options? To which Bell responded, no, I didn't have to. After this incredibly boneheaded screw up, Bell continued to fail upwards. So in 1970s free agency, if you lose a player, the league would award you compensation from the team that eventually signed him. So after Olsen signed with the Rams, the league gave the Patriots LA's first and third round picks in 1972. So he loses the player and then gets a first and second round pick is, is manna from heaven. Gotcha. That's right. And even after this windfall, he still bitched about it. Uh, he said, uh, I'm I'm shocked. Uh, mad as hell with a con- commissioner's decision. I can a- agree with a decision that goes against me if I think it was fair, but I don't think we got a fair shot. I lose a player and get nothing in return but words and paper. I expected decent help and I didn't get it. So <laughs> or that grieved whole, uppy. That <laughs> whole episode. So finally, here's my favorite find on looking up things on Upton Bell. LaSalle University, where Upton attended but didn't graduate, published its winter 1973 magazine in December of 72. Among its articles is one lionizing the young Patriots general manager, predicting great things to come for both him and the Patriots. This is great. And right below the title and byline is a little note appended to the copy stating, this magazine was already in production when Mr. Bell and the Patriots unexpectedly parted company on December 5th. (laughs) Uh, among the <laughs> among the other nuggets are uh, on that article is uh, Upton playing up his transaction. I've made more trades than anyone else in the league since I've been here, he said. And a Boston reporter saying writers love Upton, quote, because he's always available. Not only that, but he'll always he'll take them into his confidence and give them advanced information about trades, unquote. Yeah, this, this, there's shocking news. And this final bit. You guys are going to love the last line because it's perfect. It reveals just what eats at Bell, but it's also got him still trying to spin it into a positive. The only thing I regret sometimes, he said, is the fact that my father had to divest himself of ownership interest, but it gave me the opportunity to fight for myself, to make it on my own, without people saying only that I was Burt Bell's son. Daddy? Daddy? 
Daddy. Good job, Bert Bell. Forfeiting generational wealth for Upton, so he had to whore himself out to media after getting shit canned as general manager of the Patriots. Is Upton a fetid piece of sh- lying shit or what, Scartelli? My word. The first thing that his little Wikipedia blurb says is that he's Burt Bell's son. Doesn't help that he tells every person that he meets. That's the first thing he tells he tells everybody he meets. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he is a he like you said, he's he's rewriting history. He's, he's the only one alive to, to can actually witness this. Mike, do you have any and thoughts of course, on uh, And of Still course, uh, Burt Burt Bell <laughs> has <laughs> Burt Bell didn't win as many games as his kid uh, General managed <laughs> when he was a uh, head coach. Yeah, the the Bells as a management duo of NFL teams were basically the last kid kids picked on the playground for whatever sport it was. It's 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 quite fitting. It really is. Um Dan, well done. Uh, guys, thank you very much. The Patriots are on to play the Jets in the Meadowland on week three. Once again, entitledtown at gmail.com. And we implore you, as usual, to please turn off your radios. And we're going to stay positive all the way through. And if you think I'm going to succumb to negativity, you're wrong. you got the wrong guy leading this basketball team.